Held up nicely. He's standing forth. Taking it on. Walker! Long range now for Staniforth to take. She'll be looking to lift this over the two-player wall. And Birmingham City have taken the lead. A lovely free kick found the head of the Birmingham City captain. Jordan finds Arthur. Arthur goes for a shot from distance. Oh, and it has to just be tipped over. Back to Staniforth, who strikes it with her left boot. And that's goal number two. It's a lovely finish into the top corner. Guided in by Lucy Whip. Just gently lofted out of the reach of the keeper. Might be another chance for another goal. Cracking save by Hampton. Welcome back to the Great Sin 68 podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football show about all things Birmingham City. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined once again by Chris and Kaz. How have you both been? Yeah, been great, mate. How have you been? Not too bad. How about you, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, Craig, in these weird and wonderful times. Our first bit of news has been broken this afternoon, and that is the departure of Birmingham City defender Adrian Jordan, who has left the club to join Washington-based side O.L. Rain. The 26-year-old fullback joins the Rain, who has been taken over by the folks behind Olympic Lyonnais just earlier this year. Jordan is someone who's played a lot for us this past season on both wings and had the right kind of attitude when it came to her football. She was always looking to learn. She looked to be growing in real confidence when the virus hit and perhaps never saw the best out of her. What do you think, Chris, about her as a player and the news that she is leaving for the States? I think it was a, a difficult time for, for everybody, really, at the start of the season, wasn't it, with the with the upheaval that, that happened? And I think maybe, maybe if she came into a more settled side, it would have given her the confidence to, to really hit the ground running and make that position her own. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that she didn't. For someone who I think probably wanted to play on the right hand side, but that was the that was the position we had. We had an influx of players of. She had to try and and settle in at left back in a new country, in a new team environment. Um, and actually, given the circumstances, I think she uh, she performed more than admirably throughout the season. Jordan will now play with the likes of Megan Rapino and Jess Fishlock on a regular basis, which isn't a bad thing to say the least. Another departure to talk about is that of Blues midfielder Brianna Vasali, who has left the club to join Houston Dash in the National Women's Soccer League, as did Adrian Jordan. The 24-year-old impressed with her tenacity and technical ability throughout her debut season with the Blues. She will now get the chance to play alongside the likes of Canadian veteran Sophie Schmidt. What are your thoughts on the move, Kaz? Good on her, do you know what I mean? I don't think we got to see quite enough of her, to tell you the truth. Like I said at the start of the season, I didn't really see much of her when she played for West Ham. The couple of the games that we've seen her for, obviously with the Blues, obviously she had that injury. I'm kind of glad she's gone, but not at the same time because she's a really nice girl. But I'm more devastated about AJ leaving than I am Bree. That's fair enough. They're both, they're both players who have, have certainly have talent in their own rights and... It'll be interesting to see how uh, Vasali will get uh, the best out of England international Rachel Daly now that she's at Houston. Rachel Daly, of course, only scored just one goal in her last nine games last season. Before we move on, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on the club's statement which said that Houston Dash jumped the gun, so to speak, with the signing announcement? It's not the first time this kind of thing has happened. Do we need to be more proactive in club announcements in the future? In my opinion, if the deal is done, then announce it because... 
these things are going to keep happening from time to time. Houston Dash, if the deal is done, I don't know whether there's a an agreement in place um, whereby they say they agree a time and a date of which the that they can break the news. And Houston have gone before that agreed date. I don't know, but if the deal's done, then just announce it because there's no point holding on to news in the with the risk that somebody else is going to break it and you're going to upset supporters. Ultimately, the Brie one that I think back to the obviously the the Mark Skinner announcement, which was which was released probably before Blues wanted as well. But you know, there's lessons to be learned, and I think I think just just get the news over and done with, really. We would like to wish both Adrian and Brianna the best in the NWSL this upcoming season. We can't question their commitment to the cause over the past season. Next up is the news that the Women's Super League season has come to an end following the decision by the FA. It's been months since we last saw football played in this country and with player contracts running out, a decision needed to be made. At time of recording, we still don't know how the final standings will be decided with various options still on the table. Clubs have been asked to put their input in how they want it to be determined. Points per game appears to be the most likely option with voiding the season likely to result in all clubs being deprived of their prize money from the league sponsors Barclays. There are two options for points per game, weighted and unweighted. This basically means they take into account how many home and away games you've played. Unweighted means you simply divide the points won by the number of games played. The teams will also need to agree on how promotion and relegation will work and how to decide the champions and the Champions League sides for next season. Liverpool would be relegated on points per game regardless if it's weighted or not. Aston Villa, as it stands, would be promoted on points per game with Chelsea crowned WSL champions. The other option on the table appears to be points per game without relegation, but still with promotion. Villa would then get promoted, but Liverpool would be saved from the drop. It's not an easy decision for clubs with the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal having invested interest in how it's finally decided. What would you like to see happen, Kaz? I'm going to sound really controversial here. Right. I definitely think Aston Villa need to be promoted. That Their season that they've had, whether Blue Noses like it or not, they've had a fantastic season. As for the Liverpool situation, that is a tough one because obviously if people who know me, I did follow Liverpool for a couple, about three, three seasons before Karina Schroeder moved to Birmingham City. I would rather Liverpool get relegated than Birmingham. But for the size that Liverpool are and previously winning the league, it's going to be a shame for the league. But why shouldn't they be relegated? Yeah, that's fair. Chris, what about you? I am at a loss for words. Um, it's not like you. Well, no, yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, football rivalry takes precedent over any logical or fair precedent whatsoever. Therefore, the only rational answer is to null and void the season. Honestly, if you're going to if you're going to finish the season with with points per game, then you have to have relegation and promotion. And if that is the case, then them across the expressway come up and Liverpool go down. Liverpool go down on weighted or unweighted points per game. They haven't been good enough all season. They haven't been picked up enough points all season, and they fully deserve to to be relegated on the basis of the points per game system. Like you say, the, the only trouble with, with voiding the season is what you do with the pitiful prize money that is on offer this season. Next season's obviously with 
with the with the sub- more substantial backing of sponsorship. The FA are going to want going to want to publicise the league as much as possible with with these with the added sponsorship. Now, obviously, you would argue Liverpool is is a more valuable asset to sell than than Villa. Whether that will have any sway whatsoever, I don't know. You're trying to sell the women's Super League. It's becoming more and more like the the men's Premier League, and the men's Premier League champions would would be champions aren't in the league. It's it's a little bit more difficult to sell, isn't it? But if it was up to me, I'd avoid it just to spite them across the road. In in value of fairness, I think I think the points per game system works. <laughs> Both ways, at, at either end of the table, Liverpool will go down and Chelsea will win the league. You know, we, we were saying it for a month or so, but before the decision was reached, you cannot, you cannot finish the season. You cannot. The, these clubs cannot afford to test players every single day with, with the, the costs that are involved in that. So it, it was the right decision to end it, and I think they'll probably go points per game. And I, and I think they will they will eventually relegate Liverpool. I yeah. have a question. Yeah, go on, Gaz. And if they if they void the league, right? Yes. Who who gets the three Champions League spots? We'll no, be the no, same. no, no one gets one. I don't think. I think I think you have to finish the league to give Champions League spots. If but, that's but, the case, they're going to have to go points per game then, aren't they? Because they're not going to have, not have any English teams in the Champions League. The, the only other alternative is to is to say it's the same teams that were in it last season. If we avoid the league, it's like you're effectively saying the league has not happened. Therefore, the season before, those teams who finished in the top two get the Champions League places. Will there be a Champions League next season? That's that's what I'm thinking. It's it, in terms of like traveling across Europe. It's not exactly something the safest thing to do right now. But you're looking at how how the men's clubs would do it safely and how much it would cost them. You're asking. I mean, the the Champions League. There are there are uh, Swedish, Norwegian teams that are getting to the last eight of a Champions League. The money that they'd have to put in to to get their clubs around Europe, test their players regularly. It's unfeasible at the moment to even consider a, a European competition in the men's game, let alone the women's game. It's difficult to say that. You know, you you shouldn't even be thinking of that now because if the situation does change and the possibility does arise, then then obviously you do need to think about it. Voiding the season, you have to go on the season before that. That's all you have. Logic that's says like, that, Chris, but I don't think they'll. I don't think they're they're going to well, allow that. It's <laughs> but, very uh, true. Going back to the the uh, the topic of the league itself, uh, my view is that we need to keep promotion and relegation intact. I would promote Villa and relegate Liverpool. Liverpool fans have had a rough time in recent seasons and a season in the Championship might actually do them some good to opportunity to win games again and enjoy their football. I can't see them staying there for long if they do go down, just like Man United. They're too big to stay there, so they would. I think it would be a bad PR move for them if they didn't get straight back up into the WSO if they got relegated, so they would put money in, I think, finally. And maybe maybe that's the kick up the backside the club need to actually support their women's team is them to actually finally get relegated. I also think Aston Villa deserve the promotion, despite um, Chris uh, chewing on some lemons while I'm speaking. What is going on? Not being funny, right? I've been to watch Federer a couple of times this season, right? No surprise, blah de blah de blah, right? And I'm not joking. I've watched them play against Liverpool. They outshone Liverpool. If looking at that game, you would not have thought Liverpool were the WSL one side. 
and what Gemma's done to that squad over the last two seasons, she's did a fantastic job. Whether she's been nicking our players or not, I was going to say it's, it's, and, it's very easy uh, when your your budget is forty eight times the rest of the division. But yeah, they've still deserve, like you're saying, every league has a relegation and a promotion. Just because they are rivals, right, doesn't necessarily mean they don't need they shouldn't get promoted. It might give us a kick up the backside next season and the men might actually give us women some money to challenge the likes of Villa next season, to challenge the likes of Brighton and the rest of the teams in the league. Might give the owners a kick up the bum. This could realistically be the first time that Villa are on the same sort of level as Birmingham City in terms of the women's game. I don't I can't remember Aston Villa being at that level to be able to compete with us in games in previous seasons in Continental Cup games and the like. And as as Kaz pointed out, on Sporting Merit, they've been excellent this season. They've beaten uh, Sheffield United, who are second, home and away this season. So they are they are clearly the better team on the pitch. And if the league continued, I had no doubt that they would win the championship. So I, th- I think overall, I think promotion relegation stays. And Liverpool, unfortunately for them, will get relegated. And next season, they'll probably win the league because it's Liverpool. But we'll move on now to a bit more of a, a, a nicer topic, which is the player awards for this season. We're going to name our Young Player of the Year and Player of the Year um, overall for the fans at home. Uh, Chris, how about you go first? Who would you like to nominate for Young Player of the Season? Young Player of the Season, um, I think, personally, I think it's a a pretty straightforward decision at a time where the squad was seriously thin. Oh, at Brighton and then a couple of games at home after that one as well. Young Lily Simpkin came in at right back and really put herself in in the minds of the, the supporters that what we'd seen for, for the season up to that point, she was more than a match for, for anyone. And she put in a, a number of excellent performances, never looked afraid, never looked to back down from, from the challenge that was put in front of her. So for me, it would be, uh, it would be Lily Simpkin for young player. That's an excellent choice, Chris. Uh, Kaz, who would you pick and why? I'm definitely Lily Simkin. Like, I'm not very funny for a 16-year-old to be playing at that level. The last time I think I've seen anybody play like she did was Jess Carter at that age. The outstanding game, I think it was Arsenal, and she was up against Van der Donk and Miedemar. You would not think she was a 16-year-old playing she like she basically had them in the, in a back pocket the whole game she should never have been dropped to start with when players were coming back fit because she was making the difference in the defense was she perfect throughout all the games no she's 16 year old she's only learning but for me i would even say she's she should be nominated for player of the season never mind just young player absolutely kaz i mean when she made her debut, she was only 16 years and 30 days. She became the youngest player to start a WSL-era game for Birmingham City. I would I would have to agree and make it unanimous. Lily Simpkin is the young player of the year, I think, personally. She's come into a squad, as you said, a team that's not on the best of luck when she came in. And to be able to look like she wasn't out of touch, she was the WSL level straight from the get-go at such a young age and someone who wasn't phased by playing, as you say, the likes of Arsenal. She just shows that she is capable of a lot of things. And and she, another one coming through the academy. And as you said, Kaz, someone who's playing in a similar position as Jess Carter, someone who's quick, someone who's got the intelligence to defend properly. 
from such a young age and she's only going to get better. So as a unanimous pick, we've picked Lily Simpkin as Blues Young Player of the Season. Next up, Chris, who have you got for Blues Player of the Season? This is a difficult one. Notable mention for Keris Hara, who I think when she came back from her injury showed that showed the player and the type of character that we were missing in that difficult spell leading up to Christmas. I think she deserves to be in with a shout. But based on goals scored, two goals leading to, to four points for Blues this season in a season where we've only got seven, I'm going to go for Abby Grant, a goal at home to Spurs where we got a point. The second away at Bristol City where, you know, at 1-0 anything could have happened in that game and, you know, she got the second, the all-important second goal which really saw that game off. And I think just, you know, her overall tenacity, um, her desire, she's improved as the season's gone on. She's looked more comfortable in the team as the season's gone on. And I think on that basis, she gets my vote for, for player of the season. Another good pick, Chris. Abby Grant is someone who's impressed for both club and country this season in her debut season with Blues. She's someone who rarely had a bad performance and often not had a good performance as well, as you say, Chris. Kaz, who have you picked? Right, I've got two. Yeah, go for two and then decide Then decide afterwards. One is Abby, because like Chris has just said, without her goals, we would be probably relegated. But this is going to shock a lot of people. Lucy Staniforth, if you look at all the goals she set up this season, and without that attacking midfielder and the chances, we would be rock bottom by now. I think she's set up 90% of our goals this season and scored a couple. She scored the winning goal against Sunderland. Was it Liverpool where she scored the second goal? Yeah, and she set up Keresis in that one as well. If you look at all our goals, they've been set up by Lucy Staniforth, 90% of them. And I know I'm not Lucy's biggest fan, and I think everybody knows, I think the world knows that. Where credit is due, without her setting up people's goals and her trying her best, even though she didn't want to be at the club, you've got to think Stan has got a good shout. Yeah, absolutely. She's someone who's consistently trying for the club and... So as we said, said at the start of the season, we knew that her contract was going to end this summer after this season. Uh, so we wanted her to actually put the effort in. And she has. It's funny. I was listening to her back to an old episode recently, Kaz. And, and when, when uh, Lucy Stan first signed and it was me and you on the podcast while Chris was away on holiday, you were looking forward to so much to see Lucy Stan play for Birmingham. And it seems like over, over the over the years, it's just worn you down. This is the it. thing I've seen. I've seen a play for Lincoln. I was there when she played for Sunderland. I've seen her play for Liverpool. I've seen her play for Bristol. We just haven't got the best out of her. I'm not saying she's a rubbish footballer. I'm definitely not saying that. I just don't think she wanted to be at Birmingham. I think when she Mark, did at the start. I think it, as soon as Mark went, it would change. Wasn't when it? Mark, something happened. In them couple of months, something happened. She isn't a bad player. Good players don't become bad overnight. Do you know what I mean? I have given her a load of stick and... I know what she's capable of. Like I said, I've watched her for years. Yeah, I get it. You're you're just frustrated because you know she can do so much better. I I I understand that, Kaz. It was clear that she was disappointed about what had happened with Mark and the the club uh, and the project that she signed up for was no longer around. It yeah. was a completely different club and a completely different project. As as you say, Kaz, she's had a big part in games. She played very well at Bristol away as well, in which we won that game. When Lucy Stan plays well, then then Blues play well. 
but again, it's it's you're going from playing alongside Hayley Ladd, the, the freedom of playing alongside Hayley Ladd, knowing she's behind you, and having Ellen White up front to to what we had this season. It, a very different club and a very different project that that she was at this season. Um, and I've no doubt wherever she goes in the summer, they they will look to to get the best out of Lucy by by having better players around her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you saw just how much passion she had in that Sunderland game. Unfortunately, it was it went over the top and she got sent off. But that's the sort of thing we missed in that Bristol game, the last game of the season we played. Mm. That game where you needed someone to just just get everyone rolled up and it just wasn't working and perhaps 100%. yeah perhaps that, that 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 just shows that she is a special player and as as she's been picked for England a lot you can prove that other people see it as well so so we've got Abby Grant and Lucy Staniforth. Uh honorable mention from myself briefly would be Harriet Scott who's moved into central defense when Kez was out because I thought she did a good job of trying to be that senior figure in that defensive line when you've got Becky Holloway who wasn't really a defender being asked to play as a defender most of the time and Lily Simpkin playing alongside her. So credit to her. But my pick would be Hannah Hampton. I think she's been one of the most pivotal players for us this season. After losing Anne Katrenberger in the past and then having Hannah had to step up as number one, I think she's excelled and really made that position her own with the likes of Alex Brooks coming in as a second for her. She's um, been influential in keeping us in games and keeping us getting points that we did pick up in games that we've had and she just for for someone who's still quite young she's a very good keeper and she's only going to get better Chris yeah yeah I, I can't argue one bit there she's she's gone from being the understudy of of AKB knowing that she'll she'll get a game every so often to being arguably one of the one of the top three keepers in the division you've got such a as goalkeepers go such a such a young goalkeeper who's exceptional with her feet and, and she's pulled off a number of of top top saves this season. She's had a she's had a fair share of practice this season, the the way things have gone. But um, but yeah, she's been she's been brilliant again as she was when when Anne left. Absolutely, I think the main point of my argument would be that she, if we lost her, that's one of the most key positions that we have right now because she's made such a difference for this team. And I think that's why I would say she's Blues player of the season. Now we've got the fun bit where we've got to decide which one of these three that we're going to pick as the winner. So we've got Hannah Hampton, Abby Grant and Lucy Staniforth. Give it to Abby because she has had a fantastic season. I'm happy with that. Chris, you're sticking with Abby Grant? Far be it for me to be proved right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm happy for, yeah. I, I would have been happy with, with the other two suggestions as well. But yeah, I think Abby, first season in the league, first season at the club. She's become a, a a bit of a fan favourite and has played a big role in in the points that we've got this season. So congratulations to Blues Player of the Season, voted by Greats in sixty eight, which is Abby Grant. Next up, what is the highlight of the season? I'm gonna have to think Might about this. Chris, have you got one? I think in terms of performances, I'd go Bristol away. I thought that was probably the best performance of the season. The tweet announcing that Marta was leaving. That's probably up there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kerry's coming back from injury, maybe. Seeing Rachel play again. I won't be spiteful. I'll go from a performance point of view and I'll go the win at Bristol. That's fair. Kaz, uh, how about you? So, obviously, Matt being sacked is really up there. Like, <laughs> really up there. Her management, it was just making me fall, fall out of love with football. So, I'm glad she's gone. Beating Sunderland. 
I know it's not a biggie for some people, but coming from the northeast and being a Middlesbrough fan, it's always nice to get one over on your rivals. But Bristol, I'd probably say Bristol away, because it was nice to see, like, Mammy and Daddy Sarge and, and that. But it was also nice to see us get a win. Yeah, that's fair enough. My moments, Chris uh, mentioned a few players returning. Seeing Keris back was a nice moment, but I think Rachel Williams being out for over a season and not being able to see her after she went off against, I think it was Reading at the St Andrews. See, seeing her get to play again, just just seeing her enjoying a football again is is probably my my moment of the season. Because as you say, there's not been many moments, good moments this season, but that's definitely one of them. So what is next? And that is the question. So with the WSL season over for at least the summer, what is next? The pandemic has struck across the globe with countries like China and Spain easing restrictions after months of lockdown. Testing isn't a cheap endeavour and is one of the reasons, as Chris mentioned, the league came to a close now is due to the costs it would take to test the players in order to safely finish the season. Money is the factor here, and as we've seen in non-league, a lot of the clubs rely on ticket sales to keep afloat. Without fans, some clubs will disappear if they're forced to return too soon. What do you think, Chris? With German football returning behind closed doors, are we likely to see the same thing over here, or will the ban on fans mean we return much later than planned in the women's game? The difficulty it's got is is the funding. Yeah, the, the amount of money that it costs, to, to to test players regularly. If we had a bottomless pit, if every club in the division had a bottomless pit of money like the Premier League does, then then I'm I'm sure we'd have been back playing because we could have tested the players regularly. As it is, clearly that's that's not the case in the women's game, which made it impossible to come back this season. And unless there's a way in which testing becomes cheaper or um, you know a, a vaccine or a drug is is found whereby it's a, it's a lot easier to to test the players on a regular basis. I, I don't know where we go from here because it, it's not even just the supporters in inside the grounds. You know, it's you're you're asking the players to go out and risk risk their health to play games, and and I think unless there is a 100% secure system in place, I don't know how the women's game comes back in this country as it as it currently stands with or without fans. Yeah, I think realistically, without a vaccine or proof that majority of the country have had it, I simply can't see football returning with fans until early next year at the earliest. Mm. I hope I hope I'm wrong, but it's a dangerous illness that affects older people more, and our club is one that has a greater than average number of older fans. I wouldn't want to see people I consider friends to risk their lives to watch the club they love. It's a difficult reality that football will be different for a long time, but it's one that is necessary to protect everyone in the safest way possible. What do you think has what is the route you'd take going forward? Do you know what, mate? I have no idea. Like you said, Birmingham do have a lot of older fans, so I would be devastated if something happened to one of them. I don't know how you do return it, because I was like, I was thinking not about the testing, because the testing costs a fortune, because I know where I work, it's cost them nearly 1.5 million for us to be getting tested every week. Mm. And I work for a big company, so... What I was thinking, if we did come back this season, we don't have many season ticket holders. So we could have rammed the moors, we could have social distance. At the end of the day, it's something bigger than football, isn't it, this? So I'd rather everybody stay safe. It might not come back at all for another couple of seasons, you don't know. But the FA aren't fighting for the women's causes, are they? So it does feel it like might, it's a bit of an afterthought at the moment, it, which, is, it which is unfortunate. Might. This could be the end. Who knows? We don't know. So I don't know. 
I don't no. know. No, that's true. I, I, I apologise if you can hear drilling on my end. So, someone's decided to do some drilling as well. So it's, it's a very noisy atmosphere for the podcast today. <laughs> Ev- everywhere. We've had plates. We've had, we've had drills. Everyone's had working from home. So yeah. Yeah. put that point across again, Craig. You know, the, the, the FA, uh, it's something that they've got to look at now. Because, again, like Kaz said, it's pretty widely publicised that the cost to test players... On, on a regular basis, like the Premier League clubs are, like championship clubs will have to in in the men's game, there's just no fundamental way a WSL club can can afford that through its own revenue streams. Do you know what I mean? Not like Man, Man City could obviously afford it if, they're, if the Man City owners of the men's side decide to pay for it. That Obviously, they could afford it. But through the income streams, the revenue streams of the women's sides, it would eat our yearly turnover up in three months that the cost to test players regularly it's just completely unfeasible to to even consider the women's game coming back at the moment with or without fans and that's really really sad so unless the fa can do something subsidized testing so that the women's game has something to come back to in august september time to restart a season then, then it might be a, a bit longer than, than we anticipate, unfortunately. We'll end this week's show by just pointing you in the direction of Chris's new podcast he's been doing during lockdown and likely to continue beyond it. Why don't you tell our <laughs> listeners about it, Chris? And I'm sure a lot of them will enjoy listening to it as well. Yeah, so it's um, myself and, and a couple of, couple of friends who are, who are Blues fans. We're all Blues fans, but it's not a Blues podcast. It's just a, a general football podcast um it's fat lads going goal because generally they do um it's on you can find us on twitter using the handle at fat lads podcast we're available on youtube as well um through we are birmingham tv on spotify and apple Podcasts as well it's a weekly podcast we've looked at as we've just discussed finishing the season um, the return of the Bundesliga, um, football derbies in general, as we've discussed tonight as well. And I think this week we're looking at the return of, of the Premier League and and the Championship. But I do like to to throw in the odd reference to to the women's game in there as well. And you love a Brighton? Oh yeah, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that that really was exacerbated by the trip to Brighton this season. I think I didn't realise quite how much I detested Brighton until I went down this season. So, Don't worry for those thinking that we're ending our podcast. Great since 68 will be returning next season, though Chris is allowed to do other shows in the meantime. <laughs> I, I would also like to send my thanks to Kaz, who's doing great work as an essential worker when she's not on the podcast. I won't clap because it will hurt the ears of our headphone listeners, but <clears> we know we appreciate everything you do, Kaz. Thank you. Well done, Kaz. You're welcome. Feel free to now say whatever you want to say, Kaz. <laughs> right. So I've got two things. Um, firstly, I would like to send my condolences to um, Lucy Staniforth and her family on the passing of her dad, Michael, which he announced today. Um, he was such a nice gentleman. Um, I've met him a few times, obviously, at Liverpool and when she played for Sunderland. And I've got some good news as well. First of all, we wish uh, Lucy and her family all the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would like to say a massive congratulations to Craig and his girlfriend. Better news, he's going to become a dad. No. Seriously? 
You didn't How tell me this. this? I've been keeping it quiet for a while. We, we, we... Wow. <laughs> so I would like to congratulate you and Michelle. Thank you very much, Kaz. Dropping the bombshell at the end of the podcast. Yeah. In November. <laughs> It's almost like we wanted to get Chris's reaction on that. On, on I know, the yeah. I am lost for words again. <laughs> what a show. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thank you very much, we, mate. We, we see him, um, the, new, the new baby at a game next season, hopefully. Maybe. Well, they're, they're due in November, so we don't know which one it is yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But on that bombshell, I think that's all we have for this season. I would like to thank Chris and Kaz once again for joining me this season. It's been a great time, even though the football's not been as great this season due to things out of our control. But hopefully next season, whenever that may be, will be much better. And we look forward to football coming back once again. So follow Chris. You can follow him at AWCAIB. And you can follow Kaz at team underscore Schroeder. Had to remember those for a second. And you can follow the show at Great Since 68. Don't forget to vote for us in the Football Content Awards 2020, which we've been nominated for a second time. Thank you for everyone who put us up for the shortlist. And that's all for this week's show and the season. So thank you very much and keep right on. And that was the Great Since 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use and search for Great Since 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep right on!